Let's do it. Go. We all brought up face with hard luck. Face to face. Face to face with hard luck. Hard shots. Steve Smurdy was with hard luck. Pimps and card shots. Steve Smurdy was with hard luck. We all brought up face with hard luck. Face to face. Face to face with hard luck. Card shots. Steve Smurdy was with hard luck. Pimps and card shots. Steve Smurdy was with hard luck. Good morning. Welcome to the Hard Luck Show. Certified host Steve Lucky Luciano got my man the Indian in here with me. You know, Chumahan, elegant barbarian, American Indian, Southern California. Yes, and handling audio and visual. <laughs> you know, Sean Lewis. Oh, blue eyes. Oh, blue eyes. Oh, brown eyes. Oh, brown eyes. Next level ATM. Hey, yeah, <laughs> we got OG Snoop in the house. Yeah. What up, Chris? What up? Come on. Yeah, handling right, visuals. Almost, almost. But don't get too excited. Yeah, don't spill it. Today, yes, on the show, yes, we got an old friend of mine. Come on now, dude. Part of the West Side Four Corner, West Side, West Side culture. I want to introduce him. Bring on. Let's let's give a round of applause to my boy. Jack OG Creeper from Venice on to the show. What's up? Yeah, Creeper. What's Come on. Up? Come on. Jack. Big Creeps. What's up, man? Talking to that What's mic. Up, Don't be afraid. Yeah. yeah. Get up on go. the tip of that thing. Yeah. Hey, easy there. Easy. Right, Straight out that. the shower. Right. Trying to wean off of that one. What's up, brother? What's up, brother? How Welcome you? to the show, man. Yeah, man. Guy came in bearing gifts. I'm bearing telling gifts. you guys, yes, if you can see this right here. The camera? Is that yeah. The camera? Yeah. 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 We're going to get that out of the way. Look at that. The Juice LA. All right? That's what we got. That's what we're drinking here. Real locations. Where are they? Two locations. The main one is in Atwater Village. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the second one is in the Grand Central Market, right R- next to uh, Egg Slut. Nice. At, at the right Juice LA on Instagram. Oh, Blue Eyes has been all over Grand Central Blue Market. Juice, yeah. And they're our sponsor tonight. Yes. That's right. And that's yeah. Creeper's wife. Yes, sir. She's that's running right. that thing, man. He brought us in these gifts her, tonight. Her, girlfriend, her girlfriend's are, she has a business partner. Mm-hmm. Liz, Lizzo. Organic. Lizzo, give Lizzo and my wife Melissa a shout out. Shout, shout out, out, you guys. Shout Thank out. you for the for the wonderful juices. Uh, they, they name them after numbers. I got the number 10. Orange, grapefruit, lemon, lime. And let me tell you something. <laughs> Shit's organic. And you know why? It's organic, and they tell you all the other shit that's out there, all that other bullshit juice. It's not organic. Funny, because lately, the last few years, we've been trading. I've always looked out. Look, I've known this gentleman for a long time. Yeah, but I've always somehow, whenever I have brands, man, you know, I I always do my best to try and look out for this fool, man. Always gonna be, and he's always looked out for me too. Right. Seems like the last few years, you, I, I'm either showing up with some shirts or some shit for you, shit. or you're I showing up one, with I some juices. I remember one time I was I was working. <laughs> That's for you, by the way. Uh, look yeah. at that. Look at that bag we're giving them right Cookies. there. Cookies. See that? I was That's working. I do I do pressure washing, and mm-hmm. uh, I was working cleaning some sidewalks. This fool rolls up on me in this Jaguar. <laughs> yeah, the Jaguar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pops his trunk. He's uh, just like doing the. Uh, Reckless, young and reckless, young and reckless, and pulls up, and I literally, he, I think he gave me like four of every color. <laughs> yeah, broke them all. That's so. awesome. I have like two of them left. <laughs> yeah, man. Right now, you guys, you know how I know you guys are OGs because you guys are exchanging. You're on the barter system. It's not yeah. even a barter system, really. It's just fucking hooking a homie up. You know? Yeah, organic. Juice we wear the same t-shirts. shoes. He would wear shoes for like two times, and then he'd be like, because he get kicked them or whatever. He would be like, yo, I'm here. 
Yeah. I got some shoes for you. Yeah. Like, Creeper came in wearing mm-hmm. Supermax. Hey, yeah, Supermax. I'm straight, man. He's from the West Side. Got to. I remember when I was, uh, you know, going through different, <clears throat> trying to make some things work. I, I, we were starting up some of the podcasts. Um, I was wor- I worked a couple of nights with uh, with Jack. Remember when I I hit you I, and I told you I was doing some fucking power cleaning? Yeah, you remember you did. that? I do remember that. Yeah. Yep, I was helping out with Jack, man. He was helping me. I was helping him. Yep, because that's what we do. That's it. But <clears throat> how did you guys meet? <clears throat> man, we met. You fucking. I met him, well, his wife, or his, his ex-wife, uh, Jessica. Jessica. Jessica's, you know, she's my homegirl. And uh, I met him right after I got, I got out. I went, to, I went to the joint in 92 for being stupid. And uh, when I got out, they had already been together, but uh, I, think they, I think he had just caught, he had just coming out of his term, had a son. Right. And... Uh, he was doing the Supermax and the uh, Famous Stars and Straps and, and, uh, and mm. running around with uh, one of my other homeboys, Paulie B. Yep. Rest in peace. And, yep. uh, you know, we just hit it off, man. You know, he was getting sober, kind of in and out of getting sober at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've been cleaning and sober for, fuck, 30, 30, almost 36 years. So let's, let's, let's just cut <laughs> the shit because let me tell you something, Creeper. We got dudes on the show that, that, that get a little bit of time. They go out. They might mm-hmm. be younger. They might be older than you. Yeah. From your perch. How I'm, does, not, I'm not on a perch. <laughs> well, a seat. From, from my seat, yes. Okay, whatever. From I mean, I'm not trying to put I, you no, up there. No, I know. I feel you. Okay. I want to know. What do you feel or think it takes, at least for you, to collect 36 years of sobriety, my home dog? Well, I mean, I, I've been blessed. Like, I, you know, I spoke the other day at a, on a podcast, or a, not a podcast, but a, a Zoom meeting. <clears throat> and I've been blessed to not have ever had to relapse. You know, I don't know how I did it. You know, I, um, the only thing that I learned, I mean, I learned, I made a decision early on that no matter what you know there's no reason there's no reason for me to drink and use right i i don't honestly i i mean other there's no real answer to that because everybody's different and everybody has their demons and i think and one of the things that keeps me clean and sober today is you know i've seen people like steve that are my friends that you know i have you know huge respect and love for Mm. out there doing it dirty you know and you know um One of the last times I seen Steve, I might get emotional here. Sorry about that. <clears throat> when he was loaded, was uh, he was in the DMV, you know, and and I was there with him, and I seen him, and he didn't see me, and he was on a sick one, and you know, and I had I have known I had known him at that time probably for over twenty years, you mm-hmm. know, and I was so heartbroken that I couldn't even approach him, I couldn't even say hi to him, you know, and. You know, luckily, right after that, he went up to, up north to San Francisco and, and was able to, you know, get a hold of his his demons and his, you know, get a, and speak his truth and figure out what it was that he needed to do to to capture this gift. You know, because that's what it is to me is is it's just a gift from God. Whatever you believe God is, you know, I don't have any any vision or belief of any specific God, but I mean, you know, I'm raised raised religious, but not don't feel it and. Uh, it's tough, man. 
for me today, I just, there's no situation that I would ever come against where I would have to, that I would soberly and consciously choose to take a drink or a drug. Steve, what, what was the trip up north? Like, why did you, why did it take, why at that point did it take a trip up north? Oh, I had lost everything and there was nowhere else for me to go but to the streets when I went up north. My mom looked at me and she's like, they're going to evict me. Can't, you got to go. And I had nowhere to go. And I think it was maybe about (laughs) six months before that. I was trying to fucking do some old bullshit in the DMV. I don't even know. I might have been, I might have convinced my mom that I'm going to go get her fucking registration. I don't know what the (laughs) fuck I was doing, but I was on one when he was talking about it. But, um, yeah, man, and and I had to go away for a while, and that's what he's talking about, and that was uh, you know a little over five years ago, right? You know, and and, and I've talked about it before, but what's so interesting? Listen, through this whole process of me early on in sobriety, Jack Creeps had time. You know, he 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 came out of prison with time, right? And he's went, on the west side. I went side. into prison sober, and we're gonna we're gonna go there right now. Yeah. But I've always, always, he's he's part of the West Side culture. I mean, you can't really be with Jack, and, and he can't stand somewhere on Lincoln or fucking Washington or somewhere on the West Side, and then somebody's not going to honk a horn and not know this guy. People know him, and in the community of recovery, I, every meeting I'd go to, he'd be there, mm-hmm. you know, and he'd have commitments or whatever. So I remember many times... When I was doing well, I'd call Creeper, meet him in a meeting. When I wasn't doing well, I'd call him. Or he'd call me, hey, what's going on, man? What's really going on, you know? You want to go to a meeting or invite me meeting? And so I would call him for help, advice. He'd meet me even if I was loaded. And just sit down and just fucking have a cup of coffee with him or whatever, man. Just like, all right, dude, you all right, you know? So he's, he's always been there. He's somebody I look to for solution. But, you know, prior to that, man, this guy's part of, like, a whole West Side culture that started in like you know this particular culture that i'm talking about was like there was a lot going on it's the melting pot of the west side there was punk rock there was homies there was skateboarding there was surfing there was all this culture and suicidal tendencies in this music and movement were really coming to a forefront and there was like there was a couple there was a handful of people that really 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 started this real following and creeper was one of those dudes and he was a knucklehead man and he was you know yeah you know it's it's funny because when suicidal first came out i you know i was young i mean my those guys are like five or six years older than me so when i was like 13 you know they were like 16 17 18 you know and you know i looked up to all those dudes and you know from from age 12 until i was so I went to prison, or actually, till, well, I mean, like five years before I went to prison, I got off of probation and parole. But, um, you know, juvenile hall, county camps, youth authority, and um, just being a knucklehead. And, and But at the same time, like, I was, I mean, I can't remember a time being out more than more than six months, you know, at a, you know through that time. And um, let me make sure my phone is off so it doesn't fucking buzz. And, you know, during those times, you know, I'm in juvenile hall. And county camps and youth authority, 
And, you know, guys are hitting me, you know, where are you from out there? You know, where are you from? You know, and mm. I'm like, well, I'm from Venice. You know, Venice, Venice, Venice what? You know, because you couldn't just mm-hmm. say Venice 13 because I wasn't, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And um, even though we claimed, you know, you know, V13 punks, you know what I mean? Mm. We always, we did that, but um, but it wasn't a part of the whole V13 scene. And, and so I was like, I'm from Venice Suicidals, you know what I mean? And and, and I represented that in, in, in the institutions. You know, and that's part of my part of my demons and part of my um trauma you know because we all have trauma for the uninitiated what did that mean when you said venice suicidals well i mean we were a group we were uh, we were just a a tight-knit group of homies that grew up in venice you know it wasn't at the time when it first came out it wasn't really anything organized it wasn't really a, a gang, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But it it morphed it morphed itself, morphed itself into, into that. that. Yeah. It morphed mm-hmm. itself into that. And um, you know, we'd roll up to shows and it'd be like, you know, we wouldn't go to shows without having fucking thirty of our homies there, you know? Right. And so we'd roll up to a show where there'd be like, you know, ten or twelve fucking whatever, skinheads or whatever, and we roll up, we'd be deep and we all knew that we were down because we you know, we had to go back to the neighborhood together. So it's like if something jumped off, we were fighting and and people would just be up suicidals in the house, you know, suicidal boys are here, you know, and we just got labeled that. And then it just morphed into this huge fucking movement. And my point is like when I was in, like I wasn't on the streets a lot. So my, my involvement was more of just representing, you know, in, in, in prison, in jails, you know? And, um, and that, and then when I got out, and I got sober. I got sober in Youth Authority at 18. It's set, yeah, set 18. So I paroled from Youth Authority after doing, you know, from 12 to 18, 19 years old in juvenile halls and camps and stuff. And I was free, and 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 I didn't want to go back. And I told myself I didn't want to go back, and that was part of my sobriety. I was like, I'm going to stay sober until I'm 21, and then I'm going to drink like a man. That was my initial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a plan, right. right? And then, so by the time I was 21, though, I was, you know, I had done everything I'd ever drank and used drugs t- to do because I drank and used drugs because I didn't feel a part of, I didn't feel good enough, or whatever the case may be. And I had done sober many times over: punk rock shows, fights, whatever it was. Yeah. And going to those, in that five years, you know, I, going to those shows and stuff, like, I, I kind of had this this feeling that I had to kind of prove myself to my homies because I wasn't really around during the, on the streets during the craziness. I was in there. I was representing there. I was getting in fights with fucking skinheads and La Mirada punks and, you know, Orange County, you know, all the dudes from Orange County and stuff, that, you know, Peni and all those guys, you know, and... But but it, but on the streets, I, I, nobody knew that, you know. So mm. I kind of had this almost like I felt like I needed to, you know, show. Hand, I needed to show. I needed to handle my business, and and um, you know, shit would jump off, and I would just I'd be that guy, you know, the first one. I'd be the first swing, yeah. you know. And and ninety nine percent of the times, I'd just drop somebody, and it'd be a, yeah. He was a big. He, he's you know, big, like but six, you when you saw him when he came out, die, he was on swole too. You, you know, what I mean, and 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 so Thank I was you. drop. I was just fucking. I'd fight at the drop of a hat, and. And that created a, a thing for me where I was honestly afraid of going back to prison because I had, you know, I was like, I'm going to get busted for something. I remember one time I'm at in front of the whiskey and I got into it with these two guys and I literally dropped them both and I turned <laughs> around, I look across the street and there's fucking West Hollywood Sheriff's so right there and I'm just and they didn't see it, but I was just like, I'm going to go back to fucking prison, you know. But <clears throat> but you were doing this sober, hundred percent. So. W- for you, 
I mean, what's the experience doing it so Because a lot of people can get into trouble when they're loaded. Yeah. Well, you know, a I lot mean, of people get liquid courage. Well, I mean, my thing was like, I mean, I grew up with a lot of, you know, just my own trauma and stuff. And, and uh, I've come to find out that a lot of what I went through created a situation in myself where I felt I needed to be in control. In, in in any situation, and uh, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, if I felt like something was going to get out of control or something was going to jump off, I made sure I was the one that fucking handled that that was in control of it, or at least fucking tried to control it by by either hitting first and knocking them, you know, doing whatever, you know what I mean, and and doing my deal, and uh, you know, and then it pours over into life itself, you know, just trying to control, my, you know, all the situations, you know, whether it be with my son or. My, my stepkids or my wife, you know, it's like that's the stuff that I'm dealing with now is trying not to be that guy. You know what I mean? I don't have to be that guy, you know? Are you somebody that is able to take the emotional or whatever, like the, the sense and the energy of a room? Like when you walk in, you can see where the tension's at? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I look to see what's going on. I, I, I Anytime I enter a room... Well, I mean, outside of like a situation like this, Christian's about to scrap. Christian's about to blow his top. He's in my peripheral. (laughs) (laughs) But um, you know, anytime I enter a room, even still to this day, I'll go to dinner with my wife, and and my back's to the my back's you know against the wall, and I I know where the door is, and I'm watching Uh everything. Especially in today's day and age, not just for because of where I came from, but today's day and age, it's like you just don't know who's going to. You'll be head on swivel. Head on a swivel and know what weapon you're going to use to defend yourself if you have to do that. You know what I mean? Whether it's going to be a sugar shaker or whatever. You know what I mean? See, most people that get sober, right, they don't go and do a stint. True. So how did it happen? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to talk about that on his part of the show. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I got out of I got a youth authority. You know, started you know doing the deal, going to punk rock shows, hanging out with all the homies again, and going to a lot of meetings. A lot of my homies were sober, and a lot of them were still in the game. You know, they were still right. in the game, slinging dope and doing their deal. And we, uh, you know, a couple of my homies hit me up, and, and you know, we're from the Four Corners, so there was like guys that I hung out with were like, you know, Santa Monica, suicidals, dudes from Venice, guys from West LA. There was another crew from West LA called Westside Crazies, which were you know some legitimate cool you know good guys and and. We were all kind of, they were all kind of running and gelling together. And, you know, one of my homies, Thumper, rest in peace, uh, you know, he calls me up and he's like, you know, we got to, we got to, we got to lick, you know, we got to, we got to do this robbery. These fools, you know, they owe us some money. We're going to go jack them and take the shit. Do you want to come with us? I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, and by that time I was young, I was like probably 20, 22, 21, 22. You know, I wasn't willing to work. I was like, just, you know, wanted the easier softer way and even though i was sober and and um cutting corners yeah you know what i mean yeah and and uh and so you know i got introduced to this and you know we did a couple of moves and and you know fast easy money and it lasted probably for about nine months and um you know we did a move on this dude and uh we got him we got away with the shit he wasn't home his wife was home and then um about six months later, we decided we weren't going to do it again, and we wanted to get him when he was home. And uh, so we went back, and we 
basically waited for him to get home from lunch or at lunch. And, and when he got home, you know, we were expecting him to be solo and he, he we went through the door and he had a, it went to his bedroom and apparently his, his daughter was in the house. Mm. His 15, 16 year old daughter was in the house. And I walked right past her, went through the bedroom and we basically robbed this guy and, uh, you know, it went bad. You know, the dude I went in with wound up cut the, when his when he when he came when we were when I was in the bedroom and, and my partner was in the room in the in the living room with the daughter. I found out later that her his son was there also that I didn't see and the wife had came home while we were in there. She had deadbolted the door. When we left, the door was deadbolted and they had a big glass window and my partner broke the window. And when he went out. He put his hands on the window and cut the fuck out of himself. And I just, I being, luckily, I guess I was so tall that I was able to just step right over it. Got away, uh, you know, uh, burned the car in Culver City. Had the home, had my couple of my little homies burn the car. And two weeks later, I get a phone call. Or actually, yeah, two weeks later, I, you know, police basically show up at my door. And uh, basically what happened was they had, the guy we had robbed knew a couple of people from the neighborhood and he found that they, that they had found the car in Culver City. Mm. Put the word out, said, hey, I got jacked. You know, I want to know who did it. And one of the guys that did it with, that did it, that burned the car, he wasn't involved with it, but he burned the car with one of my other little partners, um, gave me up to the dude that we robbed. And the dude we robbed gave me up to the cops. Man. And uh, so they arrested me for suspicion of armed robbery and uh, some bullshit traffic warrants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's how they got through my door. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting in in the jail. It was in Torrance, Torrance Police Department. (laughs) Hang court. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Torrance is a hang court. And so... You know, I always told myself that you know if I'm going to do the time, I'm going to do the crime. You know, I got to be willing to do the crime you know, or do the time. You know, and so I told myself that. And when they came at me, I was you know they had like six different counts. They had me on first degree armed robbery, two counts of assault with a firearm because when we were leaving, I I fired twice over their heads, mm. and you know just try and scare them, but still right. nevertheless. And um, two counts of assault with a firearm, one count of shooting from a movie vehicle. A false imprisonment, you know, just right. And they were, that was looking at like 16. They were looking at, and that was the minimum if I would have got everything. And I wasn't going to get the minimum and I wasn't going to get everything. Right. So they came at me with a deal for 11. And I was like, and this is in 92, mind you. So three strikes wasn't out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, if I, if I go now and I get to the joint quick enough, you know, I'll start my halftime hopefully and, you know, and not do so much. And, uh, you know, I, I did that, you know. I, I took a deal for eleven. You know, by the time I got I got sentenced on May eleventh, and I was in state. Like within th- within fifteen days, I was in state, and uh, yeah, they sentenced me to eleven. I wound up doing five years and nine months on an eleven year sentence. Sober, yeah. sober. How do you do? Uh, how does prison? How does sobriety work in prison? How does that work? Well, I mean, just like it does on the streets, because you can get it just as easily in there. I mean, I had a celly at one point that was bringing nine grams of heroin in a week. Right. You know what I mean? And 
So I mean, you could, I could have got hitting, hitting hard. You know, what I mean, like God. And I mean, like in our cell was like, I mean, I needed for nothing. You know, what I mean? <laughs> we had two TVs, two yeah. radios, Walkman. Mm-hmm. It's like we were. You know, I had everything in there. You know, if I He's wanted to get man. loaded, yeah. if I wanted to get loaded, I could have got loaded, and and uh, and I didn't. You know, and and I and I actually, uh, 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 I actually equate the fact that I was able to, on an eleven-year sentence, only do five years and nine months. Right now, if you do the calculation, from the day that I got arrested, mind you, so from the day that I got arrested, I did five years and nine months, and you know I think that was huge. The reason that that was was because I was sober, and the guys knew that I was sober. I pro- I pro- proclaim that to everybody. Like dudes would roll up and be like, "You want to smoke?" A- and I'm good. I don't fuck around. You want some pruno? I don't fuck around. I'm sober. Right. You know, and so it got, you know, by the time it got to the point where everybody knew me, even when shit kicked off on the yard, if you owed homeboy money and you were one of our homies, you know what I mean? It's like they didn't expect me to get involved in it because I wasn't, I wasn't benefiting from your drug sales. You know what I mean? Right. You know, and so um, they would tell, I've literally had dudes tell me multiple times, hey, some shit's going to happen on the yard, stay in the building. You know, because they knew that I, it wasn't something that I was involved in, you know? Right, and you didn't go back and And it forth. wasn't a racial thing. It was just a drug thing, you know what I mean? So they they were like, you know what I mean? If it was, yeah. a, you know, if it was a racial thing or whatever and it needed right. to get handled and it needed people out there, then, I, you know, that was a different story. But um, Did they have, did they have, I'm assuming that, um, how do I say this? I'm assuming that there was, you know, some sort of a 12-step program involved. They did. They had, well, they had AA was coming in. You know, AA and Narcotics Anonymous, they come in on panels. And, um, not every institution has it, but they have panels that come in once a month. Um, for and, you when you were doing your five? Yeah, when I was in, they had them. You know, they've had them for years, you know. Um, there was a couple of places that I was at that had them. One place in particular that didn't um, because it was just a new institution and it just hadn't been developed yet. Um, but in Tehachapi, they had them, and uh, and in Jamestown, where I paroled from, uh, they had them. But I did 14 months in in Sentinella before, you know, when and when I got there, it was four months old, and uh, so there was no there was no programs there yet, you know, not a lot of shit going on. Is 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 the time longer when you got a clear head? No, I mean you know it's the same. You just need to keep busy. You know what I mean? It's all about having some sort of a you know, schedule, so to speak. We called it a program, you know what yeah. I mean? Programming. <laughs> if you have a schedule of what you're going to do every day, then it just goes by like clockwork, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you wake up in the morning, you go to chow, you go to work, you go to vocation, whatever it is, you come out, you go to the weight pile, you know what I mean? You go play some cards with the homies. You know, by the time you're done playing cards for a couple of hours, it's time to go to bed. Is there anything that you can learn in sobriety doing sober time like that oh, that you can't learn outside um was there maybe like lessons that were more clear to you? Is there anything that you well, gained? I think it was all, all my lessons in that time were clear because I didn't want to go back to prison, you know. And uh, you know, I had you know dreams, you know, of what I wanted my life to be, and 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 uh, you know, clearly it wasn't going to happen if I was in prison. And um, you know, and I and I you know put those dreams into motions, and you know, they don't always go the way we plan, and you know, shit happens or whatever. And, uh, but yeah, you know, it's like, you know, it's weird in hindsight, I did that five years, nine months and, you know, Steve's been down before and, you know, multiple, multiple homeboys of mine have been down and I don't know how, but literally I was never on a yard where a major riot happened. Hmm. And I was, I either, 
I either rolled up to the yard just before, just after it happened, mm-hmm. or got, or or left the yard just before it happened. Right. Mm-hmm. It was weird. Like, I I left Tehachapi and went to Centinella, brand new institution. Every yard, one, two, three, and four, rocking. Or excuse me, A, B, A, C, and D were rocking. I was on B yard. Fourteen months I was there. They were still single selling, and. Every every yard but my yard was rocking and rolling. And at that time, they were shooting you for fistfights. So you could get in a fistfight, and they're smoking. They're hitting you with the Mini-14. You know what I mean? Odd or God. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, and then there was a big, huge shit that jumped off around that time between the cops and the and the, and the inmate or the convicts, inmates, whatever, you, you know. And uh, th- because of those things, because of them shooting people for fistfights, mm-hmm. I believe that, that, that people t- ran up in the program. They ran up in the program right. office Killed in Calipatria and stabbed right. like fucking right. seven cops or something yeah. like right. that. Right, that's right. And um, and that was because they were fucking. I mean, they were basically putting people in the hole, which and then putting you out on the yard, which is probably the size of four of these rooms, and then you're getting a fist fight and, and you're there's a war going on between the blacks and the mexicans and the whites right so the whites and mexicans are going at it with the with the blacks because of some bullshit and every time you go out to the yard you got to get into a fight right and then and they're shooting you in a fucking yard that's four times the size of this room you know what i mean and it's like it's like fucking shooting fish in a barrel right and so there was a big i think there was a hunger strike at that time where everybody just refused to go to go to chow for like i think it was like two weeks or something like that and uh, and then the press got involved. A bunch of the wives, you know, friends outside and shit like that got involved. And um, you know, but it's just weird that I was like literally my yard. Like we, it was, it was for some reason there was some containment or respect from different races from all the races where it just hadn't, it just hadn't boiled over yet. Wow. And I literally bless you. Bless and you. I literally left there and got on a bus. Went to sent uh, went to Ironwood or excuse me went to uh, Lancaster. They dro- we we drove to Lancaster, picked up some dudes, dropped off a couple of dudes, drove to Wasco, dropped off a couple of dudes, picked up a couple of dudes. We pulled up into Pleasant Valley in Fresno, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna leave you guys here overnight." And we're like, "Fuck!" And I'm like, "What the fuck? What the fuck is that about?" And they never usually they don't ever usually do that. Right. Now, what the fuck's <clears throat> going on? And so they leave us there for nine days in the hole. Nope, they're not classified, no nothing. So we're in the hole. We have no fucking, no phone calls. You can't talk, talk to anybody. You can write a letter, but by the time it gets there, you're going to be right, where you're you going. Know, right. So nine days, we're in the hole. And come to find out, the place that I was going to, Jamestown Three Yard, had a fucking riot jump off as I was fucking in transit. And I roll up into a lockdown, and then I do two and a half years on that yard, and nothing fucking pops. Wow. And then... Cincinnati, fucking <laughs> two weeks after I leave, fucking jumps. You know what I mean? And it's rocking and rolling. And and I don't, I don't know. I don't just don't know why. You know? But I look back and you know, I, I'm not saying that God you. was in my back pocket or whatever. But something could was have out been there, worse. You know I mean? Could have been a lot fucking worse. So then, when so did you go in front of the parole board? No. The way it ha- the only time you go in front of the parole board is if you have a like a life sentence or something like that. Right. So basically, when you get a sentence like mine, you get you go to uh, classification and they say, okay, you got 14, you had 11 years. If you, you know, good behavior, this is your, this is your release date. If you, you know what I mean? As of right now, this is your release date. If you start halftime, then it'll change and you'll go to halftime. And so I was able to start my halftime within 30 days of going to the, to, to Centinella because I stayed there as a PWC, as a permanent worker. 
and I started my halftime literally within 30 days. So within 60 days of being sent from or being arrested, yeah, I was in state doing halftime. Right. So that's why I was able to do from the time I got arrested five years and nine months. And so when that release date comes, then you released. Well, but I, I got in your case, what happened? In my case, well, I was you know like I said, I wound up going to Jamestown was the last place I was at. I did catch sixty days for some you know some female cops were fucking talking to me like a man you know talking to me like a dude and started cussing at me and you know I, I'm you know. I just mouthed off back, and so they got me for disrespecting staff one time, and another <laughs> time that. they tried to say that I was I was inciting a riot because she was in the gun tower and I was telling her to shut the fuck up. And she, <laughs> <laughs> fuck you, bitch! Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? And so she got me for inciting a riot, but you know, I basically lost thirty days because I went to the hole for thirty days, and when I got out, I started my halftime again. Yeah, but um, that release date came though. The release date came. You're sober. So December sixth of ninety seven. I'm sober. I'm 14 days before my 29th birthday. Fuck. Who comes to get you? I take a bus from Jamestown, which is in Sonora, excuse me, in Sonora, California, to Modesto. And then from there, I took a bus. Or they dropped us off in Modesto, excuse me, on, in, in, the, in, the, in the van. And then from Modesto, I took the Greyhound to Sacramento and jumped on a plane. I had my mom had pay, uh, paid for a plane ticket to have a plane ticket for me, and I flew home. I actually have a video of me, a VCR, VHS, of me coming off the airplane with my family meeting me at the the airport. That's great. And then, not only that, but Joker D shows up. And so they're recording me at my mom's house, too. So we get back to my mom's house. My mom's got a big old plate of spaghetti. I'm fucking smashing spaghetti. Yeah. Mom's, you know, mom's, she's got a present for every year that I was locked up. (laughs) I'm sitting there fucking opening presents. I'm guessing guessing every present. I'm like, okay, that's some dominoes. (laughs) (laughs) Guessing it all. (laughs) And then Joker comes walking through the door. He's sober at the time. You know, he wound up living with my mom and paroling to my mom's house at the time Mm. uh, for a while. And, um, he was doing real good. He was doing, you know, drum teching for suicidal at the time. And, 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 uh, so I got all of us on video. And then, you know, that night, you know, I went to a meeting. I literally went to a meeting that night. My homegirl, Roberta Rodriguez. Right. Roberta picked me up, which she's a really good friend of his ex wife. Um, did you Roberta, share? Did you have a burning desire? I don't know if I shared that night, but, um, I think I may have shared. We, I wound up going uh, with D after that meeting to a late night meeting in West Hollywood. And uh, but Roberta and Billy Larson and um, and D and we all just hung out, you know, and started fucking going to meetings every day. Yeah, you know, and my homeboy Steve O, mm-hmm. Steve Morris uh, from Morris Construction, give him a little shout out. Yes, that yeah. he uh, he put me to work. You know, gave me a job, fucking slinging a hammer. Roberta bought me my fucking tool bags. Which I actually still have. I kept them on purpose because she bought me those tool bags when I got out, and I've been able to just, you know, hold on to them, you know. And uh, how uh, did it feel to be out sober and have a job? Well, I mean, it was you know I felt blessed one for because you know I have so many people in my corner, you know, all those people that just knew me before I went in, and and they were just willing, you know, they were all sober and they were all just there to help out and, and mm-hmm. lend me a hand and. And that's what we do, you know, and um, it, it felt good, you know, I, you know, and that, you know, just solidified, you know, everything that I thought I wanted when I was in prison as far mm-hmm. as staying sober and, and getting out and getting a job and trying to, you know, better myself and 
become willing to to just be a man. You know what I mean? There was a point in my <laughs> sobriety that I almost went out. Hmm. It was a, a, a it was one of those. If this is as good as it gets, what? Oh, okay, right. If this is as good as it gets, and this is how good I'm going to feel. What was her name? It wasn't a her. It was, what was a his mu- name. It wasn't a him. <laughs> hey. hey, I know we joked around earlier. I'm married. I got a daughter. I ain't no fucking right. Right. So uh, I know I got braids. But the thing is, is no. But what about what? So it was money and success things, right? Mm-hmm. I, in my mind, as an idiot, I was like, I'm doing all the right stuff for a certain period of time. Where's my shit? Right. Okay. For you. And looking back now. What what did you learn from that as far as as far as was mine? You know what I mean? What did you learn? Oh, for me? <laughs> well, what I learned was From that situation, from I'm having t- that I'm mindset. A, I'm on you know, Steve knows, I'm just glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> For me, I learned that if I didn't do anything else in this fucking world except stayed sober until I died. It was worth it. Overpaid. That's it. Overpaid. That I had to come to that realization before I could do any other fucking thing. Do you feel that having the mindset of where's mine had a play in that also? Well almost I, like a selfish like you know, like Well it's I definitely believe, selfish. Well, yeah, in that exactly. And that for me, I mean I don't know if you go to a twelve step program or what or, or in your sobriety, but for me and in, in the twelve step programs that I go to you know, it's all about service. Right. And the more you give away, the more I give away, yeah. the more I've ever given of myself freely yeah. without expecting anything in return, yeah. the more I've been paid, overpaid. You know what I mean? Whether it be, hmm. you know, in my heart right. or or what have you. You know what I mean? I was making deals with whatever God I thought. That's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I get it. You know, I'm, now I've done these things for this long. Yeah, where's my fucking ships? Yeah. My ship's supposed to come in, and it and it wasn't. And internally, I wasn't feeling the relief either. Right? I also learned a hard lesson of it doesn't matter what people think you're doing if you don't feel better actually inside. It doesn't fucking matter. Who well, gives a fuck? And that comes to this. You know, this is a huge. I read this the other day. You know, in the program, it talks about if. If I'm if I'm 100% honest with me and God, yeah. That is really not even enough. Because hmm. the way that the program is designed is to do an inventory, yeah, and share with God and another human being. Because what sharing with that other human being does is it solidifies that you're being honest with God because you're being honest with him. You know what I mean? Because if you're doing it without the other human being, then you 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 might not be. Nobody knows what you're doing. Keeping, you know what I mean? uh, yeah, you yeah, you're not keeping check. Exactly, you're not you're not being checked. Right. You know what I mean? Because you're just listening to yourself. Yeah, lie okay. To God. Yeah, I'm honest with God. Knows everything that I'm doing, so I'm. Honest. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, you know, God knows everything. I'm doing that at all. How many times have you heard that? You're basically sponsoring yourself. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to come clean to anybody because I'm already clean with you. You know what I mean? I do meditation on my way to bed as I'm laying in bed. I think about some shit and fall asleep. Exactly. You know what I mean? So by being honest with another human being, you're you're truly being honest with God. You know what I mean? All right. Because you're voicing it and you're. Hearing yourself say it too. I want to ask you a different question, and 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 this has to do with twelve step programs. 
in have you noticed any change in the culture of the 12 step programs in the 30 some odd years that you've been in it here in southern california well i mean i've noticed the growth of it but I mean, prior to COVID, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's been huge. You know, prior to COVID, there was fucking over 3,000 AA meetings in, in, in Los Angeles County alone. Right. You know, and um, <clears throat> that's just AA. That's not counting Narcotics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous. Nicotine Anonymous. Whatever, you know what Fuck. I mean? So, and then, uh, you know, what I've, what I've had to do, you know, like I mentioned, you know, there's, a, there's you know, trauma that I've dealt with as a kid that... You know, we tell ourselves stories of why things happen, or or and stuff like that. Why why I did something or whatever, and and um, and those stories become who we are as people. Hmm. And no matter what it is, you know, um, some of my truth is that you know when I was thirteen, I was molested, hmm. and I told myself, you know. Basically, I was seduced. I wasn't. I mean, I I wasn't like raped. I wasn't traumatized by it. Groomed. I was groomed. Yes, hundred. But this is also in fucking you know, nineteen eighty one, eighty two, whatever it was. Right. And nobody so, knew. Nobody was talking about that shit back then. No. It was fucking. They were preying on fucking latchkey kids like me. You know what I mean? And there's motherfuckers. Right. I can't fucking. Anyway. So. <laughs> so this happens, and I tell myself. It happens, okay? Happens probably for like two or three years, maybe. It goes on. This guy picks me and a buddy of mine up. He takes us out, buys us clothes, shoes, gets us high, whatever the fuck. Drinks, whatever. We go to this. He had this fucking house. We would go. We'd bring girls over there, whatever. we party fucking naked in a jacuzzi, whatever. They didn't give a fuck. They just wanted to fucking have naked boys around them. You know what I mean? Right. Fast forward into my adulthood mm. after it all stops, and I'm telling myself... I tell myself, because I didn't feel like I was molested, and I didn't classify it as a molestation, right. I tell myself, oh, that's just my first sexual experience. <sighs> but I guarantee you, if that happened to my son, I'd be in fucking prison forever. You know what I mean? Man, I thought the That would same be a molestation. Thing. You know what I mean? In my eyes, he would be, that guy was molesting my son. So why is it not the same to me? Why Man. would I not? And so I came to this with the help of my therapist, and... Um, and that's where I came to the conclusion and the understanding that I needed to, that throughout my life, the person that I became in my, in my teenage years, doing all the running and gunning and beating motherfuckers up and getting in fistfights and all this shit and proving that I had to do something and be in control mm -hmm. of every situation was because in that situation, I wasn't in control. Right. And I was taking back my control by doing the shit that I was doing. Right. And so, because as much as I felt that I could have said no to that guy... I really couldn't have. Man, you nailed it on the head, bro. Yeah. Because I, I can, I mean, myself, friends, a lot of different people. For somebody else, like you said, like, like, my, like my daughter, right? She's three years old, right? It's a different thing if it happens to her. Oh. Happens to me. Yeah, you know, I you know I could have said no, or I wasn't really tricked, or whatever the right. fuck. I it wasn't is. you know forced. I wasn't ra you know I wasn't I wasn't you know, under I wasn't someone's power. Right. He wasn't, right. I wasn't being forced. You know, and that's the thing. And that, so that's why I told myself that story. And we tell ourselves these stories. Excuse me. <clears throat> we tell ourselves these stories in these situations as a defense mechanism. Totally. You know what I mean? So that to protect ourselves from ridicule, shame. 
my spot one of my, not my sponsor excuse me my my therapist is one of his i'm gonna give him a shout out dr jaffe he's a fucking amazing um his mantra is fuck shame and he mm. has and if i can again i'm gonna give him a shout out to his his organization called ignited um, he has an organization called Ignited and a program called Ignited for recovery and trauma and stuff like that. And um, his thing is fuck shame, you know, hmm. because 90 percent of the things, 99 percent of the things that I ever drank and used drugs behind. Yeah. Was because of either shame or fear yeah. or whatever. You know what I mean? Fear and shame are there, you know, and um, and that's it. You know, I. uh you know, he, he was able to open some doors for me and have some conversations with me where I was able to look and be open and minded and willing to say, you know what, yeah, that, yeah you're right, you know. And and re and he, what he does is the, the way trauma and triggers happen or work is a trigger is based on a situation that happens, whether it be trauma or what have you. And it could be the smell of a drug. Right. It could be the smell of a woman. It could be a fucking uh, a, a, a landmark or whatever. You're driving somewhere and you go by a landmark or you smell something and it can trigger you to, to go fucking use drugs. And you like a why, sense You sense don't know memory. why the fuck you do. You don't know why you chose to go to that bar and pick that fucking drink up or whatever the case may be. And his thing is when you talk about the triggers or the trauma, you're telling you're, you're recreating the story. So you're telling yourself a new story. So the next time that story comes up or that trigger comes up, you don't think about the past trigger. You think about the conversation that we just had. Right. You know what I mean? And so that changes the the outcome of your trigger. And the more you talk about it, the more it takes the power of that trigger away and you change the whole story of who you are and what you've gone through. You know, I'm in analysis too. And I just share with uh, Big Lux and Old Blue Eyes, um, you know, that I that I was feeling like oh man you know there's no place for me I'm not being heard and then both old blue eyes and big lux were saying like yeah but you've accomplished you've done all these things like when is it going to be enough and I went back to the therapist the analyst and I, I told her exactly that conversation and she said that um, those are outside things she's like those are external things and we're you're in here to try to she's like you got as far as you can go without dealing with the internal things. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying that, yeah, it's true, you the, these things, but until you can... Dig deep. Dig deep, and bro, That's I mean, true. how many layers of, of, of things are there? Well, it's, it's never ending. You know, my, my, you know, in my relationship with my wife, you know, that's one of the things that we are dealing with. We're in a couples group that we do with my therapist online. It's a Zoom thing, but there's like, Ten, nine, nine couples and my therapist and his wife mm. that, um, you know, we get on there and it's literally like my wife and I, and when it's our turn to share, I share on whatever's going on with me, whatever, whether it's an argument we were talking about, whatever the fuck it is, I share with what's going on with me and she can't fucking comment on it. She can't say anything about it. Yeah, oh, Blue Eyes just started smiling <laughs> real big. She can't right comment there. on it. <clears throat> and even when it's her turn, to, and it's like, and I don't talk about, oh, her, her, her. Right. I talk about what's going on with me and what I can do and what I need to do. I don't reference her. Right. And then when it comes to her time to share, she talks about what's going on with her and what she needs to do and what and she can do. And you can't say anything. Change. And I can't say anything. 
Exactly. You got to hear somebody but, always. But at the that same up. time, she doesn't. She doesn't talk about the same comment or the same topic, really. You know what right. I mean? It's right. It's not, not even, a response to what you just showed. No cross talking. Exactly. No cross talking. Exactly. She no, can't. No. Nope, no. She'll That's get jammed. You. She'll get snatched up, or or I'll get snatched up if I do. And the, the, my therapist will be like, you know, what I mean, you need to not do that. And 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 honestly, dude, it's fucking huge, you know, because we get our shit out. You know what I mean? We get our shit out on the table. You, you got, know what I mean? You have to drop that guy's number and card off because you the next group you go on. Yeah, Doctor Jaffe. Well, it's gonna have to talk to Doctor Blue. Us. He may start another one, but it's a closed group. Right. That we do with the ther. He's a therapist. You know what I mean? It's what he fucking does, and him and his wife, and you know, we all basically for a year. It's a year. It's basically a year commitment. That we pay, we pay to fucking do it. You know what I mean? And we so, go on there, and we we paid for the whole year, and 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 we go on there uh, every two weeks on a Sunday night, and we do the deal, you know. And then we also, me and my wife, go to another twelve step program that uh, is a couples is a couples in recovery that uh, is just if if it's like basically the only requirement is that one person is in a twelve step program right. outside of it, yeah. and then the, and then the spouse can be in it. Let me let me ask you this. Let me back up and unpack something a little bit more w- with you. And I want to, you know, in committing, you know, you were sober, mm-hmm. uh, but you were committing crimes. You're doing your different thing, right? What at that. Whether it be the moment you got arrested or in prison or when you got out, but you know what what had to change? And you hear the term, you don't have to change much, just, just everything. everything. You know, <laughs> and has that's, that that's, been the process the for question. you? Just answer the question, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> has that been the process? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, give us Yeah, yeah. That's that's it. You know what I mean? I had to change my whole attitude and outlook on what I was doing. It's like I clearly couldn't go back to doing what I was doing. You know what I mean? And uh, I couldn't, you know, I had to, I had to fucking look at everything that I was doing before I went to prison and say, okay, what do I need to do differently? And it was everything. I needed to fucking show up and go to work. Right. I needed to show up and go to fucking work. I needed to work a fucking program. I needed to give away my program, you know what I mean, by, by, by being of service, whether it be having commitments or sponsoring people or what have you. And, um, you know, so yeah, I had to change it all, you know. And that, and that, and that, and that in itself is the psychic change that AA and people talk about. The spiritual experience of the psychic change is you're changing your whole psyche. Right. You know what I mean? You're going from becoming a liar, cheating, a thief to being honest, open-minded, and willing. And by doing that, by being honest, open-minded, and willing, you're having the psychic change. You change from being a, a fucking liar, cheating, a thief to a fucking right. honest person. So... At what point in your time, because like, sometimes they'll tell people, like, you know, don't kill yourself in the first five years. You're killing the wrong person. <laughs> At what point in time did you, did you start to sense that, like, holy shit, I'm starting to get my mind back or me back? Two years ago. Uh, four years ago. When I, and I, didn't, <laughs> <laughs> I got 30, almost 36 right. years. My head didn't pop out of my ass probably until 20 years. You know what I mean? Right. I met my wife. I met my we we just celebrated this month on on uh, October six uh, six years excuse me four years of being together four years of marriage and uh, we've been together six years congratulations June third is six years that we've been together and salute and thank you and uh, I, I I honestly <laughs> I honestly accredit all the growth that I've had in the last six years to my wife right for being the force that puts me 
in a position to look at and level up and say, okay, am I going to fucking run from this relationship? Because if I wouldn't have chose to do the things that she presented to me, which she introduced me to my therapist, if I wouldn't have chose to do this, I would have, I would have worked with my tools that I have, and I would have ran. I would have been out. Right. I'd have gotten in an argument with her or whatever. If I wasn't right. willing to talk about the fucking bullshit that I went through, mm-hmm. I would have been like, I'm out. Peace out. I'm right. Gone. See ya. And and to be honest, I've said that a couple of times in our relationship. Sure. And and the and the guiding the guiding arrow is, okay. What am I gonna do? Am I going to be this fucking miserable? Am I going to be this miserable for the rest of my life and not fucking talk about this shit and not work on this shit? Right. With this woman that I love that I fucking, you know, am dedicated to, but yet I'm fucking willing to draw to burn rubber at the drop of a hat because yeah, I don't want to. How do you stay in control? Well, you're not in control. Exactly. And that's the thing. I needed to step away from being in control of it and saying, okay, you know what? I need to fucking I need to commit to this relationship no matter what. Yeah. Like I did to my to like I did to my my program. Exactly. And no matter what goes down, I'm not gonna run mm. and we're gonna fucking work it out. Mm. We got in a fucking argument today on the fucking phone over some stupid ass shit. Mm-hmm. She said she she said I had a, a tone in my voice, <laughs> which I probably fucking did. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And and I'm like That's called know, leadership. <laughs> You know, and, and I'm like, you know, so we wound up getting in a fight and, you know, a little argument, not a fight, but an argument. And, and, you know, and we, and I'm like, fuck it. All right. Well, you know, go have, you know, and then I, you know, I send her a fucking message, you know, I love you. You know what I mean? Right. That's it. Not fucking staying in the fucking, the poison of right. the argument, you know? Fuck, bro. Stepping away from that bullshit, you know? My yeah. wife, we've been married, we've been married now five years. She's an attorney. I'm an attorney and we work together. <laughs> How does that? How do those debates go on? You know what? She's the first woman that I've ever really been honest with about being pissed at her. Like well, I, I usually am, you know. My but, wife is the first person in my life that has ever known everything about me. Right. There's never been one person that's ever known everything about me. Previous incarnations of relationships that I've had is me maintaining and controlling my my communication yeah. and my emotions. Well, so that by they don't doing re- that, you're lying. Exactly. And that's where I was at for so long is my wife would ask me questions and I'd, be, I'd tell myself, oh, she doesn't need to know that. Right. She doesn't know that girl, whatever. So I'm, I'm fucking controlling her reality by fucking not telling her the truth. And that's where a lot of our arguments wound up coming up. And so we were getting fucking fights over that shit. I'm be like, what are you talking about? I'm not lying. I just didn't tell you that that happened. Right. And so now what we have through my therapist is my therapist, another one of his huge mantras that fucking helps us is complete 100% transparency in everything that I do in my life today with my wife. Yeah. Transparency with her and 100% honesty. Because if I'm not, then it's like, what the fuck is it even worth? You know what I mean? Wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? Exactly. exactly. So that's fuck. why. And it's not Man, easy. Man, I got a long, easy, long way to go for that. Listen, this guy one right here, two, Dr. Dr. Jaffe. Yeah, 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 Dr. Yeah. Jaffe, yeah. Dr. Jaffe, Dr. Jaffe. Dr. Jaffe, dude. Homie's a fucking miracle worker. I love him. Him and his wife, Sophie. Damn, brother. Hey, uh, the shit, I love this guy. Breath he's of fresh Insta- air. He's on Instagram. Ignited is on Instagram. <laughs> this guy turned his whole life around. Uh, and high power. Huh. Oh, where do people business. find you for high power? Come high on, high power man. pressure washing is my business. Uh, it's on Instagram, it's on Facebook, and uh, you know my you know my phone numbers. If you Google my name or high power pressure washing, it's going to pull up my cell phone number. And 
Yep. Call me out. Get out there. You yeah. own a business, you own a restaurant, you own whatever, man. I clean He'll restaurants, come, yeah, kitchens, he does it all, man. Houses, buildings, yeah. houses, fucking whatever. All of it. I man, I feel, solid, bro. Dude, I cleaned the fucking transfer station at the fucking uh, waste management today. No. The How scale, was that? The scale. So they're, uh, they're, they're huge scale that the trucks weigh on. Yeah. Dude, you want to see the fucking video of that yeah. shit, dude? Check what this kind of one. weird shit comes off of that? Well, this is just fucking dirt, but but uh, yeah, fucking gnarly, dude. Check it, this shit out. That's my kid. Homecoming tonight. Hey. Yeah. Homecoming tonight. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking I'm about. Showing up and suited up. Yeah. yeah. This is, uh, so that's that's before. Okay. That's scale. How fucking dirty that shit is. That's disgusting. You know, it looks like it looks like uh, skid marks. You could eat off that. I would eat off. Look at how clean that is. High power what? Pressure washing. High pressure power washing. pressure washing. You want to stop fucking around? You want all that d- detritus and human filth out of your fucking business? Call this guy. Up. <laughs> Call him up. Yeah, Call him up. Man, and creep. Yeah. yeah look job. at the hey, look brother. at the contrast of that. The picture. Yeah. <laughs> Solid work. <laughs> this is one passionate motherfucker yeah, right here. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. Too. He's like, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that shit's gone. Yeah. I love it. Hey man. We're gonna keep on trudging, brother. Keep on trudging. Hey, hey, wait, this guy's good for like uh uh just any type of City. relationship. Marital relationship oh advice. Fuck. We're gonna have you come back on. Yeah, bro. organic juice. It's organic all, juice. Hey, the juice. The juice. LA. Relationship advice comes from Dr. Jaffe. All right, <laughs> that's regurgitated. Right. <laughs> the juice. La. Bring on Dr. Jaffe. All right. Big shout out. Thank have an you intervention for, the for old blue eyes of Dr. Jaffe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs help. <laughs> he needs help, bro. Well, uh, it's not just you know the thing about that was the thing. It's like my wife could have my wife could have went and did her own thing and 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 got help from my from him, but. We both had to be willing to do it. You know? Right. It doesn't hey, work. It takes Gotta two. both be willing to do it. It takes so. two. All right, baby. brother. Sean, what you got? Sean at <laughs> movemental.media for all your audio and podcasting needs. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And listen, Ovando Bone LLP, we wear braids to court. Let the Tomahawks fly the best legal representation that money can buy. So if you go to Dr. Javi and you still can't work it out with your old lady and you're hitting the skids, <laughs> hire me, I mean, yeah. right? I'll make sure that you'll have custody rights oh, and money shit. rights. Let's go. Let Let's go. go. Big shout out to uh, Jack <laughs> for coming in tonight, man. Yeah. High power. Go look him up, man. A gentleman um, and a scholar, this one. And uh, Not a gentleman. The Juice LA. The Juice. Fabulous Juice. Yes, listen. Hey, if you don't know, Oh, vibes, vibes, vibes. Got Cubanos <laughs> here tonight. Vibes sponsors us. So that's at Vibes Papers. Um, big shout out to Burner, yep. Cookies Family. Yep. At Cookies SF. Yep. Check them out. Um, big shout out to Esteban Oreo and um, the Soul Assassins. Calco. Love Calco. you, Calco. Thank you for everything, Captain man. Captain Beard Oil. Pulpo uh, Beard Oil. My man, thank you, brother. Um, and www.supermaxhardware.com. Go check us out. Pick up yeah, some gear. Yeah. Saw my man wearing the, one of my shirts. You might and, be a, uh, get to look as handsome as Creeper over that's here. That's right. All right. Hey, always listen to the Hard Luck Show Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. We're out of here. Peace. Westside. Yeah. Dogface. Ooh. Ooh.
I'm like, shit, I might, it's like Twilight Zone. I might go in and might not come out. So, you know, 